0: Thank you, Pastor Luke. <laughs> I'm just the messenger. <laughs> it's all from God. Give him the glory. Amen. I love this church. <laughs> so good. Uh, who thinks Pastor Luke and Haley doing an amazing job? Amen. So good really uh, stepped up and uh, just feel their real heart, not just for the continuation, I guess, of what Gary and Jane planned into this church, but just a real um, release uh, an ability for them to run and carry what God's put in their hearts. Um, really good. So thank you, Luke and Haley. And our marvellous musicians, (laughs) so good. Well, (laughs) it hasn't come easily. (laughs) It's just one of those messages that, I don't know, I think the enemy just didn't want it to arrive, to be honest. And I don't really have a topic or a heading that I can place on it because I just really feel that the Holy Spirit is going to say different things to to different people. And that's important and that's great. And in terms of confirmation, I I always like to sort of have a confirmation from the Holy Spirit that I've heard right and I'm bringing something that is of the moment. And that confirmation really only came during Communion. (laughs) He's cutting it fine, I tell you. He's cutting it fine. But John mentioned about the hope that we have and that we carry. And the very unfortunate circumstance of someone losing that hope and going into a depression so serious that the end of their life was their only solution. And... The reason that I call it a confirmation is because those battles that he was talking about, we we know that at the end we we win, we are victorious absolutely 100%, but the battles all happen up here in the mind. And so this morning um, I'm bringing a message from Romans And you will probably be quite familiar with these verses. Um, So let me just uh, read them to you from two different versions. Um, I don't have them on the screen. Um, I tried. Nothing was working. The enemy was just not wanting this message to come out. So uh, let's stop talking about him. Give God the glory. Uh, I did get it to print (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so here we go. Uh, it's Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 to 2. Um, the first version that I'm going to read will most likely be a little bit different to what you have with you because it's the New English Bible, which was uh, first published in 1961. But I do like the way it sort of reads And then I will read again the same verses, but from the Amplified Bible. So Paul here is speaking and he says, Therefore, my brothers, I implore you by God's mercy to offer your very selves to him as a living sacrifice dedicated and fit for his acceptance. The worship offered by mind and heart in your sacrifice. Adapt yourselves no longer to the pattern of this present world, but let your minds be remade and your whole nature thus transformed. Then you will be able to discern the will of God and know what is good Acceptable and perfect. The Amplified expands on it and says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your only reasonable service, rational, intelligent service, and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs, But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. (laughs) I just want to pray for a moment. Father God, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the scriptures that we are able to come to and find more of you to understand more of you, what is of you. You are holy. Your word is holy. And so this morning I just pray by your Holy Spirit that whatever needs to be planted in the hearts of individuals, the Holy Spirit will just allow that to happen. Let us hear your word with an openness to change and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I knew in my heart that this piece of scripture was where the Holy Spirit wanted me to go, and and that has been confirmed. Uh, And again, if I can just refer to Pastor John, it was a bit like uh, he spoke about the other week where sermons typically, um, or often, come from a personal challenge, so You know, this is what God's been talking to me about and as I've processed that, um, you know, there's been a message that has been built and it's the right time to now share that. I just felt and, and still feel to be more aware of the transformation as part of the journey. Easter and everything that it contains is so magnificent. And we heard about that last week, some really good messages. But I feel we also are being called to move forward. And that means looking at this thing called transformation. And as I've said, the message didn't really come easily because it's a very interesting concept in these two verses. It was really only when I sort of removed Paul as the author and replaced it with God. Because God is the author of the Bible. It's his word. But through the Holy Spirit, he used men to, you know, put pen to paper or stick in clay or something on papyrus, whatever it might have been. So, where we see Paul beseeching, pleading, I took that as a call from God, beseeching and pleading that that we would grasp this, that this was God. So, to sort of set the scene here, Paul raises some interesting points, some challenges, some instructions for those he calls brothers or brethren. So we understand that he's actually talking to believers. It's not something that he's sort of casting out to the seekers. And that's the first thing, this, this plea from his heart was to those that have accepted Jesus Christ as saviour and to me it was almost seemed as though they had been on the journey for a while but were slowing down perhaps sort of stopping so what paul does he's very clever at this sort of stuff these are, are bridging verses if you like so he begins with you know, therefore, he's, he's coming from somewhere. And he's coming from the prior 11 chapters. And then in verse 3, he says 4. So these two little verses are verses that are like a, a foundation, but also a bridge. Does that make sense? hope that makes sense. Maybe we can look at it this way. I'm sort of paraphrasing, trying to put it into a today language. Okay, guys, says Paul, if we are to move forward now as the church with sober judgment of ourselves and as one body but many members, we need to get some things in place to check our mindset. In the preceding 11 chapters, I've told you through the cross of Jesus Christ, we gain everything because of God's grace. Hallelujah. Jesus's righteousness is now ours to wear, that nothing can separate us from God's love, That all of what we gain is through faith and not by works. That God is merciful, he never changes. That there is no longer condemnation but freedom through faith and repentance. Redeemed and justified are words that we heard all last week. Now, let me give you and infuse church (laughs) two verses both a foundation we need to build on and a bridge to cross over to the next part. Does that make sense? And if I can just encourage you, I really believe that this church that we call Infused Church is about to break into something so fresh and new in its reach, in its kingdom building, that I really don't believe that Gary and Jane's absence is coincidence. It's a God incidence. He's refreshing them. He's probably downloading some stuff. But in the meantime, we're moving forward. We, we're really going to take some big steps, I think. And I just, you know, I just feel that that's what's happening. And as I've said, Luke and Hayley and others have done a magnificent job in just steering that ship. So the first thing that Paul tells us to do in his appeal is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, as our only reasonable service slash worship, because that's what that word service means. It means in in an act of worship. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, In view of all of the mercies of God, chapters 1 to 11, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your only reasonable worship. Rational, intelligent, but also spiritual worship. That's from the Amplified. I think what Paul wants us to see here is that we are going to find it very difficult to move into what he brings next, which is to not conform to the world through the renewing of our minds, without first seeing our need to respond to God with total dedication and sacrifice of our own living as worship. He is very clever like that. Paul, he, he establishes and sets up the next point. <laughs> you know, Romans is actually still used in law schools in relation on how to build an argument. So instead of launching straight into verse 2, He pleads with us to consider our response in light of the mercies of God. Our response, our only reasonable offering to the mercy that we have been shown, is to make an unwavering commitment to please God with the way we use our bodies and life as an act of service thanks and worship in a decisive single-minded dedication and also completely spiritual worship we are being asked to not just give God a hundred percent of ourselves but present ourselves as people who desire holiness because of his mercy does that make sense So I think what he's trying to encapsulate here is that everything that he is and everything that his son is and everything that the Holy Spirit is, is so magnificently merciful that we can only respond by giving our entire lives to him, but lives that now recognize the holiness of that transaction, of what we've been rescued from, all of that, that holiness, and say, in holiness I give this because I want to be acceptable to you. Now, that's not to say that he won't accept us. Of course he does. That's kind of the great thing about him. But remember, he's talking to Christians here. He's talking to believers that I believe myself, have been on the journey for a while. So there's some requirements now to keep yourselves holy and to chase after righteousness. We can't match Jesus' sacrifice or even mirror it with our sacrifice. That's not what he's saying. It's a call to respond to the fact we just didn't deserve to get anything but as we've heard over the Easter weekend and been reminded of, is that we got everything. We were redeemed, bought back, purchased, our debt paid in full, eternal life through repentance, justified. How then can we reasonably say, this is mine? My body. My life, my time. How can we do that when such a price was paid? It's challenging stuff, isn't it? My only reasonable worship to Jesus Christ, my Saviour and King, is to make an absolute 100% decisive dedication to consecrate my body, my thoughts my being to him but not just me but a me that desires the godly desires purity desires holiness you know there are a number of other verses that call us to holy living and i think for me anyway i give the flesh way too much room saying things like well the flesh rose up today I guess that just makes me human. I'm just keeping it real. I get angry with stupid drivers. (laughs) Take me as I am. Well, there's grace, I suppose. But that's not the language of a person completely dedicated to pursue righteousness and holiness as an act of service to God. Do you know what I mean? We've got to stop making excuses for the flesh. It's supposed to be a, a change. It's not the language from a transformed nature. So heeding this plea, which is where the, you know the point that we enter into verse two, we're now given a command. Do not conform to this world. It says do not be conformed to this world, this age fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. The dictionary describes conformity as agreement with the prevailing social standard through action or attitude. Interestingly, it doesn't say not obeying the law. It just mentions prevailing social standards. It would be fair to say, I think, that the social voice is louder than the legal voice. The social voice is trying to change the law. We live in a time when the world is applying enormous pressure for us to agree with sin. Through prevailing social standards, adapt to or creep around sin. I think it's very important coming out of the plea that Paul made in relation to our giving ourselves to a holy God, that we don't confuse social argument with not being sin. It can't be whitewashed. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because Paul didn't either, but As worshippers, we need to assess issues. Not so much from right or wrong, but whether they are sin or not. And we need to do that through the word of God. Again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but... The Bible tells us clearly what is right and what is wrong. Don't kill unborn children. Exodus 20. No one is born gay. Genesis 126. Everyone has one gender. Genesis 127. The Bible, the scriptures must be our measure. We can't stray around argument, dialogue or whatever. That's going to bring conformity. And may I say, let's not kid ourselves, there are conformity issues within the church. Do I need to go to church to be a Christian? Bible? Yes. Do I really need to evangelise and share my faith with others? Bible? Yes. Do I really need to forgive? Some people think that it's up to God to forgive everybody. Bible? Yes. Is Satan real? People are asking that in the church. And I can say that because I spend a lot of time in other churches. The takeaway of this is to acknowledge pressure to conform exists. Paul knows, or at least confirms for us, that conformity to the world is a real issue for believers And so from the worshipful and only reasonable response in verse 1, he now tells us not just that we should avoid conformity, but we must not conform. So how do we do that? Well, fortunately, he tells us. The process against conforming is to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So he goes on to say, but be transformed, changed, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight, for you, So what he's saying is, up here is where we need to cement the word of God. Yes, it's going to carry into our hearts. Yes, it's going to be outworked through our hands. But this is what's got to be so set with the word of God. That when the pressure comes to conform one way or the other, we know what the truth is. And the truth is the word of God. Getting messy up here. OCD's cutting in. The transforming is really where I wanted to go this morning. But we can't just ignore the first part of the plea. In fact, the dedication to present ourselves as a living sacrifice and not conform is a preparation for the renewing of our minds. Does that make sense? Okay, so when we, when we really understand that we're involved in a holy matrimony, really, isn't it, that we can begin to sort of see God's desire for what's righteous to be outworked in our lives. The change in a believer should be evident. You've probably heard that the Greek word for transformed here in this verse is metamorpho obviously, where we get metamorphosis from. And had my internet worked, I was going to show you a pretty picture of a caterpillar and a butterfly because the process from caterpillar to butterfly is metamorphosis. The point is, though, that the butterfly emerges absolutely nothing like the caterpillar that went in to the cocoon or chrysalis or whatever it's called. I find it absolutely incredible that way back when God was thinking about bugs and creatures and what he was going to create, (laughs) he would create caterpillars that would make a cocoon and come out a butterfly just so we can understand Romans chapter 12, verse 2. (laughs) If you think about that. Yeah, they shout his glory and wonderfulness, but I reckon he goes, they're not going to get that. What am I going to do? Ah, caterpillars. Right. (laughs) Even though we become a new creation in Christ Jesus when we are born again, that is not the metamorphosis. Even though we are entirely covered and wear Jesus' own righteousness, that's not the metamorphosis. Even though we gain everything by God's grace, mercy and love, Wow. Who did that? Damien. Get on your mate. Hmm. Where was I? (laughs) Even though we become a new creation in Christ Jesus when we're born again, that's not the metamorphosis. I read that. Even though we gain everything by God's grace, mercy and love in a very simple acceptance of Jesus through faith and repentance, there is still a transformation that needs to take place. So this is what Paul is saying. In the mind. It's, it's such a powerful area. And there are other scriptures that you know, tell us that this is where the enemy will always attack. But how do we renew our mind? I've heard that some people sort of think of computers as whatever you put in is going to come out. So you put the right program in and it can do amazing things. If you have one like mine (laughs) and you put rubbish in, you get rubbish out. And I think that's a little bit... Of what's going on here. What we allow into our minds is going to dictate or process what comes out. So if we hold on to hope and have that absolutely cemented into our minds, when the pressures and the battles come, we go, Jesus is my hope. I have hope here. You, you're sort of removing doubt. Let me quote to you uh, Charles Swindle from a sermon he did on Psalm 119. I, I just really feel that it's appropriate. Believers need to get back to the basics. If Psalm 119 says anything, it says we must be willing to consume a steady diet of truth from his book and digest the principles it contains we need to pore over it pray over it read it study it memorize sections of it and meditate upon it upon it let it saturate your thinking let it saturate your thinking use it when problems arise Filter your decisions through it. Don't let a day pass without spending time alone with God, listening to the silent voice of his eloquent word. Nothing enables us to live beyond the grind of life like a daily application of his word. Absolutely nothing. The New English Version puts it this way. But let your minds be remade and your whole nature thus transformed. Then you will be able to discern the will of God and to know what is good, acceptable and perfect. Knowing what is good, acceptable and perfect is the weapon to be used against conformity. Yeah? It's also where our expectation begins to rise and our faith ignites because we're believing in a God of the impossible and walking with him. The whole point of renewing our minds is so that we as believers don't just make good decisions, but we make Godly decisions. We make judgment against the truth. Our new minds will always elevate Jesus Christ above all other names. Our new minds will embrace the word of God and seal it forever to be used as often as necessary. Our new minds will always want to put Jesus right into the middle of everything. Right in the middle. Let me close with a couple of examples of a new mind. These are my testimonies. What is sealed into my mind forever and ever is God is always good. (laughs) When we grasp that, when we really live that out as a concrete fact stored in our mind, then the things we face in trial and proving will always be easier. They will be. Don't doubt that. Don't doubt that. They will. When you capture that the Father is just so in love with you Even when your whole family have to live in a garage because you've been unemployed for so long, you've become totally unemployable. That's my story. Can't read it now, it's all on blurry. When you capture that the Father is just so in love with you, even when your whole family have to live in a friend's garage because you are long-term unemployed and have no other place to go. It hurts. It brings tears. And I'm not crying because we had to live there. I'm crying because of God, what God did in my heart. You know. You know. It will work out for good. For all eternity. And so you lift your head. You set your eyes on Jesus and praise and worship and love him deeper and deeper. It's why we go through stuff. But if we have things set in here, it's easier. Number two, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I've done all the dumb things. Lots of dumb things. You don't need to know about them. But what is entrenched in my mind is that none of those things lessens my value to him. Jesus doesn't love me less. He doesn't love me more. He loves me absolutely. And nothing can change that and nothing can separate me from it. (laughs) Those things have stuck in my mind. There's probably others that come to mind. So, I guess we're being called to change. To have minds completely set on the truth of God's word because the times are changing i mean Christians have always been persecuted but i don't know there's just a urgency to it now I don't know. The enemy knows he's running out of time, I guess. Lots of confusion. Lots of things that we have to consider. Voting. Oh. Let it just be an encouragement this morning. Maybe I can finish that way. Set our eyes on Jesus. He who started a good work is faithful to finish it. (laughs) He loves us. He loves us. Let's pursue holiness, let's read our Bibles. Let's enjoy our Bibles. Let's get the Word of God in here. Someone at work might say something and you just go, do you know what? It's not true. We can love them and lead them, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, Lord bless you. (laughs) And uh, I'll let the guitar man take over.